Part 4. Containing Answers to Objections. Chapter 1. Concerning the objection, that to suppose men born in sin, without their choice, or any previous act of their own, is to suppose what is inconsistent with the nature of sin. Some of the objections made against the doctrine of original sin, which have reference to particular arguments used in defense of it, have been already considered in the handling of those arguments. What I shall therefore now consider, are such objections as I have not yet had occasion to notice. There is no argument Dr. T. insists more upon, than that which is taken from the Armenian and Pelagian notion of freedom of will, consisting in the will's self-determination, as necessary to the being of moral good or evil. He often urges, that if we come into the world infected with sinful and depraved dispositions, then sin must be natural to us. And if natural, then necessary. And if necessary, then no sin, nor anything we are blamable for, or that can in any respect be our fault, being what we cannot help and he urges, that sin must proceed from our own choice, etc. 359. Here I would observe in general, that the forementioned notion of freedom of will, as essential to moral agency, and necessary to the very existence of virtue and sin, seems to be a grand favorite point with Pelagians and Armenians, and all divides of such characters, in their controversies with the Orthodox. There is no one thing more fundamental in their schemes of religion on the determination of this one leading point depends the issue of almost all controversies we have with such divines. Nevertheless, it seems a needless task for me particularly to consider that matter in this place. Having already largely discussed it, with all the main grounds of this notion, and the arguments used to defend it, in a late book on the subject, to which I ask leave to refer the reader. It is very necessary, that the modern prevailing doctrine concerning this point, should be well understood, and therefore thoroughly considered and examined for without it there is no hope of putting an end to the controversy about our original sin, and innumerable other controversies that subsist, about many of the main points of religion. I stand ready to confess to the forementioned modern divines, if they can maintain the peculiar notion of freedom, consisting in the self-determining power of the will, as necessary to moral agency, and can thoroughly establish it in opposition to the arguments lying against it, then they have an impregnable castle, to which they may repair, and remain invincible, in all the controversies they have with the reformed divines, concerning original sin, the sovereignty of grace, election, redemption, conversion, the efficacious operation of the Holy Spirit, the nature of saving faith, perseverance of the saints, and other principles of the like kind. However, at the same time, I think this will be as strong a fortress for the deists, in common with them, as the great doctrines, subverted by their notion of freedom, are so plainly and abundantly taught in the scripture. But I am under no apprehensions of any danger, which the cause of Christianity, or the religion of the reformed, is in, from any possibility of that notion being ever established, or of its being ever evinced that there is not proper, perfect, and manifold demonstration lying against it. But as I said, it would be needless for me to enter into a particular disquisition of this point here, from which I shall easily be excused by any reader who is willing to give himself the trouble of consulting what I have already written. And as to others, probably they will scarce be at the pains of reading the present discourse, or at least would not, if it should be enlarged by a full consideration of that controversy.
I shall at this time therefore only take notice of some gross inconsistencies that Dr. T has been guilty of, and is handling this objection against the doctrine of original sin. In places which have been cited, he says, that sin must proceed from our own choice and that if it does not, it being necessary to us, it cannot be sin, it cannot be our fault, or what we are to blame for and therefore all our sin must be chargeable on our choice, which is the cause of sin for he says, the cause of every effect is alone chargeable with the effect it produceth, and which proceedeth from it. 360 Now here are implied several gross contradictions. He greatly insists, that nothing can be sinful, or have the nature of sin, but what proceeds from our choice. Nevertheless he says, not the effect, but the cause alone is chargeable with blame. Therefore the choice, which is the cause, is alone blamable, or has the nature of sin and not the effect of that choice. Thus nothing can be sinful, but the effect of choice. And yet the effect of choice never can be sinful, but only the cause, which alone is chargeable with all the blame. Again, the choice, from which sin proceeds, is itself sinful. Not only is this implied in his saying, the cause alone is chargeable with all the blame, but he expressly speaks of the choice as faulty, 361 and calls that choice wicked from which depravity and corruption proceeds. 362 Now if the choice itself be sin, and there be no sin but what proceeds from a sinful choice, then the sinful choice must proceed from another antecedent choice. It must be chosen by a foregoing act of will, determining itself to that sinful choice, that so it may have that which he speaks of as absolutely essential to the nature of sin, namely, that it proceeds from our choice, and does not happen to us necessarily. But if the sinful choice itself proceeds from a foregoing choice, then also that foregoing choice must be sinful, it being the cause of sin, and so alone chargeable with the blame. Yet if that foregoing choice be sinful, then neither must that happen to us necessarily, but must likewise proceed from choice, another act of choice proceeding that for we must remember, that nothing is sinful but what proceeds from our choice. And then, for the same reason, even this prior choice, last mentioned, must also be sinful, being chargeable with all the blame of that consequent evil choice, which was its effect. And so we must go back till we come to the very first volition, the prime or original act of choice in the whole chain. And this to be sure must be a sinful choice, because this is the origin or primitive cause of all the train of evils which follow. And according to our author, must therefore be alone chargeable with all the blame. And yet so it is, according to him, this cannot be sinful, because it does not proceed from our own choice, or any foregoing act of our will. It being, by the supposition, the very first act of will in the case. And therefore it must be necessary, as to us, having no choice of ours to be the cause of it. In pages 232, he says, Adam's sin was from his own disobedient will. And so must every man sin, and all the sin in the world be, as well as his. By this, it seems, he must have a disobedient will before he sins. For the cause must be before the effect and yet that disobedient will itself is sinful. Otherwise it could not be called disobedient. But the question is, how do men come by the disobedient will, this cause of all the sin in the world? It must not come necessarily, without men's choice. For if so, it is not sin, nor is there any disobedience in it. 
therefore that disobedient will must also come from a disobedient will. And so on, in infinitum. Otherwise it must be supposed, that there is some sin in the world, which does not come from a disobedient will contrary to our author's dogmatical assertions. In pages 166. As he says, Adam could not sin without a sinful inclination. Here he calls that inclination itself sinful, which is the principle from whence sinful acts proceed. As elsewhere he speaks of a disobedient will from whence all sin comes and he allows, 363 that the law reaches to all the latent principles of sin. Meaning plainly, that it forbids, and threatens punishment for, those latent principles. Now these latent principles of sin, these sinful inclinations, without which, according to our author, there can be no sinful act, cannot all proceed from a sinful choice. Because that would imply great contradiction. For, by the supposition, they are the principles from whence a sinful choice comes, and whence all sinful acts of will proceed. And there can be no sinful act without them. So that the first latent principles and inclinations, from whence all sinful acts proceed, are sinful. And yet they are not sinful, because they do not proceed from a wicked choice, without which, according to him, nothing can be sinful. Dr. T. speaking of that proposition of the assembly of divines, wherein they assert, that man is by nature utterly corrupt, etc., 364 thinks himself well warranted, by the supposed great evidence of these his contradictory notions, to say, therefore sin is not natural to us. And therefore I shall not scruple to say, this proposition in the assembly of divines is false. But it may be worthy of consideration, whether it would not have greatly become him, before he had clothed himself with so much assurance, and proceeded, on the foundation of these his notions, so magisterially to charge the assembly's proposition with falsehood, to have taken care that his own propositions, which he has said in opposition to them, should be a little more consistent. That he might not have contradicted himself, while contradicting them. Lest some impartial judges, observing his inconsistence, should think they had warrant to declare with equal assurance, that they should not scruple to say, Dr. T.S. Doctrine is false. Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, MP3s, and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwater's Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwater's Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan Hard Drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, MP3s, and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. 
The Puritan hard drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books, MP3s, and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.